You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Well, I have to say a quick shout out to the sexiest listeners on the face of the planet. And of course, by that, I mean Sexy Marriage Radio listeners that you guys are awesome because in the past couple of weeks with the shows we have done on Can Sex Be a Deity, we've received more feedback and more (laughs) comments and more thoughts and even some more, hey, what about this angle? Or let's go deeper with this idea to get even... I know, I know I've been challenged with, well, hey, I hadn't even thought of it that way. It's been overwhelming, and some of the insights that people have shared. And boy, did we stir up a hornet's nest. <laughs> I love it. and In a good way. Absolutely. Most of the feedback has been very positive. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing that was amazing to me is, you know, shows come out on Wednesday. And when the very first show came <laughs> out on Wednesday, it, I think it by 10 o'clock that morning, because it goes live <laughs> about 6 o'clock in the morning, central time. And when yep. it, by 10 o'clock, I think I'd, we'd received, what, four or five emails right yeah, away? Yeah, our, our very first one was like at 6.50. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just had enough time to listen to it and then reply because you know, it had just gone live. So. Yeah, we, we struck a nerve. Love it. But, uh, I, I love how our audience is really engaging in the conversation with us and trying to wrap their their brains around this because it kind of threw us for a loop too. I mean, y'all know that you said that when you were sitting in the church and you heard this pastor toss out that challenging question and, and when you sprung it on me as a surprise, it kind of threw me for a loop too. So right. it is very fascinating to see how people respond to this question. It is. And if you've got responses over, you know, those shows or any other shows that we do, we'd love to hear from you. So you can send them to feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes, leave any kind of comments, any reviews. If you like what you hear, please give us five stars because that helps us climb the charts and spread the word because we want married sex to be hot in your neck of the woods because it is kind of getting colder now. You know, winter's winter's coming. That's true. So you need to heat some things up sometimes and we don't need it. We don't mean by just turning on the heater, you know, (laughs) heat heat each other up. Body heat. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have been um, so ecstatic about this topic that we're going to be talking about today, Corey. Okay. Because uh, people do assume that I have always been the high desire spouse in our relationship and nothing could be further from the truth. I am simply a woman in my 40s who finally has an empty nest after 22 years of child rearing. So, of course, I'm going to be a high desire spouse now. But for years, when the kids were around my ankles and I was blowing and going, trying to finish a degree and launch a career and manage a household, sex was like the last thing on my list. It just felt like a duty, a responsibility that I had to check off at least once a week for, for, you know, to feel as if I'm any kind of a wife whatsoever. Right. But uh, I, I do still have sympathy for those people who are still struggling with that mindset sometimes of just sex. Really? You got to be kidding me on top of everything else that I have going on. (laughs) It can so kill your desire. Sure. Sure. And that's, that's the whole thing is I I hope that if anybody's new to sexy marriage radio, or if you've, even if you've been around for a long time that you, one of the main things I hope they get from us is the idea that there are a high desire and a low desire on everything in marriage and neither one is right. And neither one is wrong. 
Oh, you know what? And I'm so glad that you just said that because you're right. It's not just sex. One person is more anal retentive about the bills and the finances. Sure. One person is more anal retentive about how how tidy the house stays. Yep. One person is more in tune with what the kids are needing or or you know what type of meals are being served. So we're all we're all high desire about something yep. and low desire about other things. Yep. And they're just points on a continuum. That's all it is. And so if you can frame the way conflict occurs in your marriage and for sure in your sex life into, into that framework, to me, it lightens it. It takes a little bit of this. Well, you never want to have sex. Well, so no, I just don't want to have it as much as you do. There's nothing wrong right. with that. And that word never, you have to throw out right. always and never from any argument. Right. It just creates so much tension because it's, it's never true that someone <laughs> never wants to do something. <laughs> well done. So it, because it, this kind of spurs, I think, from our our previous shows on sex being a deity, on why do we do what we do, what do we seek out of it, um, keeping a perspective as far as what we're doing, why, what opportunities do we have in front of us, and whatnot. And I want to frame this whole conversation, Shannon, because I think that it's one of those, you know, if you're looking at the way sex unfolds in in a married couple's life. It falls on somebody's responsibility to start it. Mm, <laughs> you know, to initiate. Somebody's got to bring it up. It, it, it's not movies where you just fall into bed wet and ready to go. You know, <laughs> it just. <laughs> I love that you said that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what it's portrayed. It's like, seriously, how did that? No, they were just fighting. And now all of a sudden, no. You know, it's, it's not that simple. But. There are opportunities in married life to confront yourself on everything. Well, and you say that you don't just, you know, have all these arguments outside the bedroom and then fall into bed and everything falls perfectly into place. It actually reminds me of some friends of mine. I may have mentioned them before, but it was uncanny how they could always manage to put whatever issue they had been frustrated with each other about on the shelf when they walked into their bedroom. And they had a very active sex life. And when asked how many condoms do you need, do you consider a full year supply? A nurse was going to give her a full year supply of birth control because they already had six kids. And uh, she just looked at her and said, well, 365. Like, <laughs> I can't fathom that they actually had sex every single night. But that's just their mindset, right. though. Of nothing, it, it wasn't a power play. It wasn't a control thing. It wasn't something that they withheld from each other as punishment. It wasn't something that they only doled out as a reward. It was something. It was part of their nighttime routine, basically. And right. I just thought, I bet that those arguments that they have don't seem nearly as big when they have this mindset of let's just put that on the shelf and just hold each other and you know make love if that's what comes naturally. I so wish that I was better at that. Okay. That, that's always that's always been a growth goal for me. Of don't let tension or frustration rob you of your willingness to draw close to your spouse and just be a comfort to him and receive comfort from him. Okay. So how do you suppose they were able to? I mean, because some I, I see the merits of sometimes you're going to just put stuff to the side, and and still have connect. To. But but I also see the possibilities of. You take some of the tension, some of the energy between you, even if it's negative, and you digest it and create something good out of it to bring okay. about the connection. 
Yeah, energy is energy. Whether yep. it's negative or positive, energy is energy. And you're right. I mean, that's what we actually see some of those scenes in the movies where two people are just screaming at each other at the top of their lungs, and all of a sudden they just fling themselves into bed for this reckless, passionate encounter. Yep. There's energy there. Yep. Wow. So talk about a growth goal. Well, I, I think that's just it, though. I mean, look at the way we deal with our emotions in life. Let's let's go outside of sex for a second, mm-hmm. and just look at. You, you got two different categories of people. You have those that just live according to their emotions primarily. And you have those that go to their brains, you know, that they just go logic mm-hmm. and they try to act like the emotions, emotions don't affect them. So if we get this whole idea of, okay, when something happens to us and it's negative, then therefore I need to be mad and just be violent or rea- reactive or eruptive or whatever. Well, emotions are just emotions. If we can get to where we don't put a negative or positive spin to them and we just get them as, wait, this is just a feeling. It right. doesn't it doesn't mean I'm I ha- I'm dictated now to what I have to do. It's mm-hmm. just, wait, what if I was able to take that opportunity to where I feel like I'm being dissed by my by my spouse or I'm being shut out or I'm being flat out ignored as rather than Oh, they don't want me. They, you know, it's a hurt. It's a disappointment. It's a frustration. What if I was able to spin that into, well, they're their own person. Hmm. So the times that they do want me, they really choose it. So I, I really like that because that means it means more. Yeah, I, I totally agree that we have to let our spouses have a feeling, even if it's a negative feeling, even if it's a negative feeling toward us. And we also have to acknowledge that we're going to have negative feelings toward our spouse. It's not the end of the world. I mean, this is the nature of marriage. You have pros and cons and ups and downs and highs and lows. But I do think that there's a particular personality though, or particular attachment style. We've talked about attachment styles before on a previous show, but I do think that people pleasers and particularly vacillators are extremely prone to watching their spouse for signs of acceptance or rejection. And that if they sense any rejection at all, it's just really hard to feel safe and secure and loving enough to enter into a sexual relationship with that person. But it is so vital that you not look at everything through a lens of rejection because right. what whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. Oh, absolutely. Self-fulfilling prophecies. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yes, putting feelings on a shelf sometimes you will find that you might even forget about that feeling that if you engage in a lovemaking session, in spite of the fact that you were feeling rejected or, uh, you know, or judged or, you know, angry or whatever, you might find that that negative feeling disappeared off the shelf while you were away. Sure. Maybe so. And I, I want to quick, I want to make a quick detour, Shannon. Um, because this is something that you and I've talked a lot about off the air, and we've even done some shows on this, that the whole, um, I love the framework that you use of our attachment styles mm-hmm. to, to help get an understanding of, okay, this is maybe what helps set the stage for what happens in my life. And there's merit to understanding that, but you know where I come from and that I don't like the pathological side of things. I don't, yeah. I don't like letting that people be framed into a, a category. And then therefore, cause most of the time where I've seen it used is, well, Hey, I'm ADD. So I, I get an excuse. It's a free pass. You know, I'm exactly. ADD. And so where I'm coming from is just because you may know and understand more of I'm a vacillator or I'm an avoider or I'm real aggressive or I'm ADD or I'm ADHD. That doesn't give you an excuse. Mm. to deal with what's you, what you're being confronted with. 
And that list could go on and oh, on. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it doesn't matter that you have a sexual past that you still feel guilty about. You, yep. you still have a responsibility to engage. It doesn't matter. I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. That sounds really callous and I don't mean to be, but okay, over one third of the population of the world has been sexually abused. It doesn't give one third of the population an excuse to just back off and never engage sexually with their spouse because so many marriages and families would come to ruin if we all felt like we had the freedom to take that out simply because of what we've experienced right. in the past. There, right. there has to be a place in time where you put on your big girl panties and your big boy boxers and you deal with those issues. You allow yourself to feel those emotions and, and then you can heal from those emotions and then you can deal with it. You have to feel, heal and deal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought that up, it, that we can't use our attachment style or a particular disorder or, or anything of that nature, a personality, you know, flaw or I don't right. say, well, yeah, no, it, it, because a personality it's, characteristic right. as an excuse. Because it's one of those things that I, I think a lot of times the, the psychopharmacological world we live in tries to promote that a pill will fix it. You know, or a diagnosis will fix it. And no, it doesn't. It may be, it, it gives you a framework. But and, a lot of times those pills will do a number on your libido, as we've oh, talked sure. about in some recent shows. Oh, so sure. you can't assume that that pill is going to solve everything in your life. You may have to deal with your sex life in a very different light yeah, that you deal with your depression or your ADD or whatever. Well I, yeah, well, I would come at, I mean, I've got a client I've been working with for a while that he claims he's ADD. And I'm like, oh, seriously? Okay, but you make it to these appointments every time. No trouble. How's that happen? <laughs> Yeah, they're, you know, they're ADD about the things that they don't want to pay attention exactly. to. Exactly. <laughs> and that's where it starts to become an excuse. Mm -hmm. And that's where, well, I'm the low desire part. I, you know, sex just, I don't get much out of it. Really? Okay, well, if you don't ever want to have sex again, be honest and say that to your spouse and see what they want to do with that. Or confront it and say, all right, these are, I'm being presented with an opportunity to confront some things and some fears and some anxieties in my own self with this chance that my spouse is giving me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was hoping that we could maybe unpack some of the root causes of why someone may want to relegate themselves into the position of low desire spouse. It, it may be simply that they perceive their spouse to be so high desire that they feel the need to venture out further on that teeter totter to bring balance that they're so they're so sexually amorous that I have to be a little bit more on the conservative side in order to keep from having, you know, having this expectation that I'm supposed to have sex all the freaking time. It, right. that, that's what they perceive. Right. Um, so I've, I've been just sitting here jotting down a list of why, you know, why would someone choose to put themselves in that category of I'm just a low desire spouse. And I think that an email that we received recently, it, it certainly uh, reminded me of that season of my life that I told you about when I was just too distracted really to focus on sex and make it a priority in my life. Um, the, the subject line was surrendering to surrendering to spontaneity. And this is actually from a man. And he said, I have a tendency to be more routine when it comes to sex so on mm -hmm. the occasion that my wife wants to be more spontaneous. He says, I have a hard time receiving it. Mm -hmm. I dismiss it because I'm not expecting it. And there are so many other chores to complete before I relax. Now, he goes on to say, we have five kids, a busy house, lots of chores and activities during the day. He says, it's hard for me to relax until the end of the evening and the kids are all tucked into bed. But that's when you're the tiredest. And he says, it's easy to put off the advance in need of some other obligation. He says, we do get away every couple months. Months, but that is planned. Right. And he says, our oldest daughter is able to babysit the other kids. And I do try to plan dates with my wife, but spontaneous sexually, I am not. And then he says, it's just my personality. 
Okay. And then this last line really stood out to me. He said, I feel like I fumbled her advance last week and I don't want her to stop being spontaneous. So what do you suggest? So yeah, when we start fumbling our spouse's advances and we start sending them the message that I don't, I, I'm not interested in you. It could even come across as I don't care about your needs. Uh, th that I, I think that it's great that this guy was like, Hey, for me, it's all about, I have a hard time letting go of control and just going with the flow. Right. So let's unpack OCD for a second of just, <laughs> I have to have all the ducks in a row. Everything in my world has to be just perfect. And I have to be totally in the mood or I have to plan for it and anticipate it. But I think that you're just, rob you're robbing yourself of so much when you won't accept spontaneity into your life and especially into your sex life. Do you agree? Sure. I think you're missing opportunities to confront what is it that makes you comfortable? What is it that makes you, you know, relieves your anxiety and therefore puts you in whatever state you want to be? And so it is one of those, we can't predetermine life. We can't predetermine relationships, but we can, if we can learn to realize, hey, wait, I can handle myself better in all of these though. That's good. You know, that, that allows, that puts me in a position to be able to handle another person better and therefore experience more. So I think that you're, the, the whole idea of, I mean, here's what, here's what I think of Shannon, the way I capture what we're talking about is that those that can't control themselves will seek to control everything around them. Yes. It's when you feel most out of control in your own life that you try to control everything externally yep. that you possibly can. Right, because that helps you try to create this environment that takes a little bit of stress off of your own out of controlness. Mm -hmm. So you can either exhaust yourself <laughs> trying to control everything around you or learn to control yourself better. Mm. And, and, and that's a great use of energy, turning it inward mm -hmm. to become the person you want to be. But this goes into this flies in the face of what I think a lot of people come into marriage thinking it's supposed to be. That, well, now it's all, the supposed, all of a sudden supposed to be about my spouse. That's what they're supposed to do for me. I'm doing it for them. And, mm. whoa, hold on a sec. You don't cease to exist to be an individual once you become one, quote, unquote, with the spouse. You know, you're still your own person. You're still your own body, your own soul. So the more you are in a better state in handling life on life terms, Mm -hmm. the more you're in a, in a state to actually give and love and at the I, same time receive. I totally agree. And Corey, I have been sitting here making a list of the spontaneous things that happen throughout the day that my guess is, I mean, for him to say, well, it's just not my personality. Well, is it your personality to ignore the urge to run to the bathroom? <laughs> is it your personality to ignore a hungry tummy that needs a snack? Yep. Is it your personality to not answer the doorbell if someone rings or to pick up your cell phone if you get a text message? Is it your personality to ignore a child that suddenly had an accident and needs an attention, you know, needs some yep. attention? So these are all spontaneous things that yep. happen throughout our day that we respond to all the time without even thinking. Right. So can we make room for, okay, my spouse is wanting some attention from me right now. Can you drop everything and go, I can make 15 minutes for that. Right, but that's we do where, it in so many other yeah, areas. Yeah, but it, of life. it gets it gets more and more difficult the more and more intimate you become, because spontaneity when you're intimate with somebody and you let them be in really close, that's where we risk. Now I'm going to feel like I'm losing myself. 
but isn't losing yourself a good thing sometimes? <laughs> yeah, but I think I think lots of people come into this idea that they're already so lost <laughs> that you know it's like oh, I don't I I'm just I need to find myself, and the way I think I do that is by just uh, you know ignoring advances or rejecting opportunities for spontaneity or not well, following through with what I want because I can think of. I want to come to the I want to come to the side of the low desire spouse for a second that I can think of there's times where you know they have in mind as their days unfolding I'm really I'm really kind of looking forward to sex tonight I'm really looking forward this is something I really want I'm kind of getting myself there I'm getting amped up for it and then on their way home from work there's traffic and then they come home to a chaotic home and then they have to get dinner and cleaned up and all of that and by the time they get actually get the opportunity because of their life and their schedules, they've already, they've kind of talked themselves out of it. They've lost it. They've, their anxiety has creeped in. They're mad, whatever. And so, you know, in essence, they, their intention was great, but they kind of gave up on it. That the follow through wasn't there. Right. So well, it's, it's one of those that, all right. So it's still there. The desire is really there. It's just now. Something's blocking. Yeah. How do you get enough? of a momentum to stay with it and to say, Hey, I'm not going to let my anxieties rule it. Even when there's things that happen that I don't like. Yeah. Well, in that whole idea of letting go and losing control, I, I do recognize that that can be very scary to some people, but I urge you to look at the reasons why. For example, I just had a women at the well workshop this week and there was a delightful woman. So glad that she came so glad for the breakthroughs that she had. She grew up in a very out of control home with mm -hmm. very angry parents. And there was some sexual abuse in the past that obviously she felt very out of control to, you know, to keep from happening. And she admitted that control, the obsessive need for control was probably something that had seriously negatively impacted their marriage when she acknowledged that she had only had two orgasms in her entire life. Okay. I mean, it, it bleeds over into when you can't let go, when you can't relinquish some control, especially to somebody that you trust, like your spouse, you're not going to be able to experience that euphoric pleasure mm -hmm. of, of total release of, of climax, because isn't that what, what orgasm really is, is mm -hmm. losing control, but in such a good and healthy and delightful way. Right. Yeah, I just it, think that it's, it's a great reminder that on this side of heaven, uh, you know, we will never feel that kind of euphoria on an ongoing basis. But I love that God gives us little glimpses of it. Of you know how how euphoric that felt, how desirable, how how pleasurable, how intense that felt. I believe that that's what heaven's going to be like, and the fact that we can get a glimmer of it. I hate for anybody to rob themselves of that glimmer of heaven simply because they don't want to lose control. Right, right, and that's that's just it. Is I think we run into relationships at its core brings us face to face with our own limitations and our own fear of, can I be a part of this and totally let myself go and not lose myself at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on to autonomy, but enter into that connectedness mm -hmm. and into that surrender. I think that there is something very, very sexy 
about a husband or wife who's willing to surrender themselves to their spouse and say, just to say, okay, whatever you want to do with me, I'm game. Mm-hmm. That, that just whatever would float your boat, I'm a willing partner. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm eager and motivated to just be a full part of whatever fantasy you want to act out. As long as it doesn't hurt me, as long as it doesn't involve anybody else, as you know, as long right. as we can both feel good about this. I'm comfortable with you touching me or doing whatever you want to me that would arouse you because this is what the marriage bed should be all about. I, so yeah, that, that takes some, some willingness to lose control. It does. Another, it does. Another issue that I think I've I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I do think that the low desire spouse often has a fear that if I give in, they're going to want sex all the time. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Um, like there was a couple of women uh, in this women at the well group who acknowledged that their husbands would want sex like twice a day. And I challenged them on that. I said, is it that they would want sex twice a day every day if they could actually get it? Or is it that they initiate twice a day because they get it so rarely? And they, they had to sit with that question for a minute and they were like, well, you know, I only give in every, you know, like once every one or two weeks. Okay. And I said, well, do you honestly think that a well-fed man is going to act like a starving man all the time? Like if you maybe changed your repertoire to being willing to engage sexually every two or three days, is he really going to want it two or three times a day if he's getting it consistently in a, in a regular type of pattern? Cause I do think that there is a recurring sexual hunger, both in men and in women. I think that the time span is probably shorter in men. Uh, Fred Stoker, every man's battle author says that it's every 48 to 72 hours in a a young, healthy man that kind of decreases as he gets older or if health issues become a concern. But, uh, yeah, I think that women, you know, who are in touch with their bodies and who are sexually confident wives, I would think that at least a couple times a week, she would feel some sort of desire for her spouse. So if you're feeding each other enough, do you really have to fear this ravenous appetite that you're going to have to just constantly feed? I don't think that it works that way. Do you? Well, yes and no. I'm going to come at it from a different angle. Please do. Shocker. Please (laughs) do. Since we typically kind of take different sides to this whole thing usually. I think that's what's so great about our show. (laughs) is. This goes back to what we talked about with the sex as a deity on sex out of fullness versus sex out of emptiness. I would say a lot of the men in the category, if we want to just go stereotypical, that want sex twice a day, a majority of them are coming out of it sex out of emptiness. That's why they want it more because it's never satisfying. Ah. So it's one of those. deeper than okay, just yeah, libido. It's, it's not just sex and it's not just biology because I understand there's cycles to where, okay, maybe 72 hours is kind of the biological. I don't buy it, uh, you know, because there's people that go months and there's, they're, they're not losing it. You know, they're not in pain. Yeah. They're not, you know, the body can adjust mm-hmm. to things. You know, obviously if you're having sex all the time, the body knows it needs to up the amount of liquid that are being created to allow that to actually happen. Mm-hmm. So then if you stop all of a sudden, well, the body's going to take a little bit of time to readjust and absorb it back, but it will. So it's just, it, it comes down to, it's a deeper part of us that, okay, if the man, you know, as a man, I used to worry about frequency with Pam, mm-hmm. that that was my barometer for sex. 
that, oh man, it's been four or five days. We need to have sex or something wrong, you know, or it's only once a week. What's up? And now I'm, now I just, I just focus on quality of sex. Mm. And so it, it, it truly is, Hey, I'm interested in this, but if I don't get it, okay, there's other ways we can be sexual that have nothing to do with sex. There's still connection. They're still flirting. It's kind of setting, it's, it's lighting the fire for later and a little later, maybe a couple of days late away, but it's just, that's where then it comes down to passion that I have passion for Pam, but I also have passion for other things in life. And my guess is because you come at it from a perspective of, I just want whatever encounters we have to be quality encounters. I'm not as concerned about quantity, but I want to make sure the quality is there. You probably do get greater quantity. Absolutely. Well, yeah, because it's if you can, I mean, somebody wrote, um, you know, have sex a lot in ways that you both thoroughly enjoy. And if you both don't thoroughly enjoy it, there's something wrong. You know, you need to you need to look at yourself as to why your partner's not thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just the idea of, okay, there's more to marriage than just sex. But the sex that you have is a great opportunity to create more in marriage because yeah. it allows both of you to confront things in your life, to really give, to really be present, and at the same time, learn how to really receive. Because I think, I think lots of humans really struggle with the idea of receiving. Yeah, because they don't feel in control. I, yep. I think that it goes back to that control issue. Well, it's so difficult to have, you know, somebody gives you a gift and you feel like, I, well, I need to, you know, oh, it's no big deal. Or, yeah, I need to send a thank you card. And then now they send this. me. And then, then they send me a thank you card for my thank you card. And then I have to send them a thank you card <laughs> for their thank you card. I mean, it goes on. And I laugh about that with my wife all the time because that's kind of what she does. And not to the extent of thank you card, thank you card, thank you. But it's just hey, hold on, just be gracious, just be humble and, and thanking, you know, thank you for that. And I don't need to reciprocate. I don't have to play it off, act like it's no big deal. Just learn to receive. Well, and don't you think that for the spouse who's willing to receive, that willingness is a gift itself. That mm -hmm. is a reciprocal gift. Mm -hmm. That is a thank you note. Just, just be willing to accept it and be grateful mm -hmm. that, that my spouse wants time with me, that my spouse finds me desirable, that my spouse enjoys intimacy together. Just receiving that, such a huge gift. Absolutely. And that's where we're presented all the time with these opportunities that really are confronting ourselves, not our spouse. You know, so when your spouse is the one that's making the initiation and you're like, oh, not again, you know, we just, we just finished, <laughs> you know, or... The, the kids are still crazy, whatever. Okay, it's not about them making the initiation. That's oftentimes where we blame our spouse for what happens in life. Mm. As, as opposed to, okay, what is this about me? What's this revealing about me? And if I can spend just a few seconds there, that's the gateway to growing. And it, and does, it doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, all of a sudden raring to go and spontaneous with everything because we all have sex up to our limitations and our anxieties. That's the level we have. But when we reach that, we have to learn to, okay, how can I lean into this, grow a little more, experience a little more, and then who knows where that goes? Yep. All good stuff. All good stuff. And I want to unpack in a future show the whole notion of one person having full responsibility to initiate all the time 
okay. the other spouse taking the role of I'll just respond or not. Because mm -hmm. we've gotten several emails about that lately. Sure. So I'll just whet everybody's appetite for a future show. Keep listening. We love you for listening. Yes, Thank we you do. for all your amazing feedback. Thanks for taking the time with us. We'll see you next time.